We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 232. On this episode, we've got some news, and then we'll be discussing recent episodes of Undateable, the second season finale of Orphan Black, and the series premieres of The Last Ship and Tyrant, plus some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 232. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Yeah, hi, it's Amy Ericangelo from tvgal.com. And I'm Makisha Mantovi, and uh, I write for a couple of publications, including Essence and The Wrap, and edit for The Wrap as well. Thank you both for uh, joining me, even with all the uh, the technical difficulties that we've, that we've encountered to uh, get this podcast underway. Thanks for having us on. I'm looking forward to the talk TV. It'll all go fine now. We're going to worry about that. It's going to be awesome. Yes, it's going to be awesome. We might be doing it via, like, you know, whatever, telegraph or something, but it's really awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if you hear the doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot. Like Morse code. <laughs> you just need a decoder for this podcast. Uh, exactly. Yeah, but you'll be able to find that in the show notes, so uh, that'll, <laughs> that'll help out. All right, on to the news. A couple of things. Uh, ABC has renewed Extreme Weight Loss for a fifth season, and uh, AMC has uh, renewed... Better Call Saul for a second season, even though the first season hasn't aired yet. And they also renewed, uh, as of today, Turn uh, for a second season. The Better Call Saul one, I don't know, I read the different stories and some of them made it sound like it was a good thing. Some made it sound like it was a bad thing. Some made it sound like it was a delay. Some of them made it sound like it was going to be now premiering early. Well, the press release was pretty funny because I think it is delaying the first season. But they're like, oh, so the first season won't happen as soon as you want it to happen. But guess what? There'll be a second season. So don't matter if their season was trying to combine, like, a good news, bad news in one email. Um, and it ended the auspice of being uh, an update. An update on Better Call Saul. It was a lot of the email. The press release was very interesting. But, you know, this is, like, the new trend, I think, which is so bizarre, of renewing shows for a second season before they even start their first, which I think probably helps the creatives behind the show a lot to know to know that they're going to be back. It probably really helps them direct and how they're going to do the first season, how they're going to end the first season, how they're going to their vision for the first season is probably greatly aided by knowing they'll be back for a second season. But it is weird to be renewed for a second season before you even aired. Yeah, the, that's the uh, – instead of just ordering a pilot, they've started ordering like a full first season and now – you got all these other ones that are upping it even more going, well, we're ordering two seasons before we even <laughs> air it. Well, I think it is um, kind of the benefit of being on cable, too. They kind of have the luxury. When you don't have as many shows, I think you have the luxury of renewing yeah. things. Although I think renewing things always isn't a guarantee. I mean, Chorus Neil Hall was picked up for a second season. <laughs> um, and yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't always mean anything. You know, I think that's the other part of it, too, is they can say it. But, you know, you have to actually hear it before it's true. Yeah, until until you're actually filming those episodes. Right. <laughs> uh... I mean, I think from AMC's perspective, though, it's a board of confidence of saying sort of like, this is just as good as Breaking Bad. And so it sort of signals right. something to the fans, even though it's extremely enthusiastic, that, hey, this is going to be good. You, you just wait. and see. I mean, we're not going to show it when we said we were initially, but it's going to be worth the wait. So much so that we're going to pick up two seasons of it, so... <laughs> Well, I think Better Call Saul does come with a pedigree, right? I mean, it's a known entity more than any any other new show. So it's you know it's, you know, it's it, I can see the having faith behind it because they know the people behind the show, they know the character, they know how successful Breaking Bad was. So that's not as shocking as some other second season renewals that the shows haven't even heard of of um, get a second season, but it is interesting. Yeah, Stars did something like that once, and I forgot it wasn't a show that anyone was particularly excited about. <laughs> that was just been like... I think it happened with Orange is the New Black, too. I think Orange is the New Black got picked up for a second season before Netflix even aired the first season. So I think sometimes they, they, you know, the executives watch the show and think, oh, this is pretty good. This is going to work out well for us. And then they know that they can give their uh, showrunners and stuff that kind of confidence, too, that we really believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they were right with Orange is the New Black, so... Right, exactly, right. Stars did that with, like, Black Sails... Right, they did. Black Sail, that was the one. And everybody's like, really? And then I, I watched the first season, and I was like, really? So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Turn is interesting, too, because I haven't been watching Turn, but 
I have not gotten the sense it's a huge blockbuster for AMC. So right. I don't think it was either, and it definitely didn't get like amazing ratings or anything. And it was actually really amazing cool. reviews. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing with with Turn is that, uh, I mean, it's not a shock for something on AMC to not get a lot of viewers. It's not like Mad Men, you know, is just like busting down the doors with the, the amount of people that have been watching it, but. Turn didn't get the critical praise to, or potential award type things that something like Mad Men had the potential for. So also not having the audience, but then not also having the other turn is kind of interesting to be picked up for a second season. Well, I think it probably points to like AMC is this really interesting place where Mad Men is ending, The Walking Dead is a seasoned show, like it's a, and you know, and so and like Halt and Catch Fire hasn't caught fire, you know, so they're in this interesting <laughs> place where they're searching for, you know, they don't really have, like you said, either like the critical acclaim that Mad Men and Breaking Bad garnered, or the blockbusterness of the huge ratings The Walking Dead got. So, I, you know, I think they're probably renewing turn because maybe the pipeline isn't as good. You know, I don't know. It's interesting to think about renewing turn because it doesn't have either the ratings or the reviews. Yeah, it's like, we got to air something. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably an expensive show, too. I mean, from the look of things, it's sort of, you know. Right. So, it is a very fascinating choice on NC's part. But like you said, Amy, what else do we have (laughs) in terms of everything else? And maybe we have a lot. I I was very surprised when I saw that today. Yeah, the the Walking yeah, Dead and spinoffs that. is what they have. Is, <laughs> or they will have at some point spin you know, with the Better Call Saul and right. whatever they do with the Walking Dead spinoff. Spinoff or separate series, whatever, however it ends up uh, uh coming about. But anyways, a couple of interesting things there for uh for AMC. Uh, and with that we'll jump into the uh, primetime segment. Uh, first up is Undateable. Uh, season 1, Episode 7, The Move, and Episode 8, The Julius Effect. This is, uh, as listeners know, uh, Amory's favorite show right now. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what, did you, what do you think of uh, Undateable, Makisha? I'm sort of biased. I mean, my favorite episode was the, the Detroit episode, because uh, <laughs> I'm from Detroit. So. But <laughs> I think Ron Funches is hilarious. I'm really, really glad that he's on this show. I mean, he, he was unenlisted, and, and that always obviously was canceled. Uh, I barely gave it a shot by putting it on Friday nights. And so it's actually funny, but it's cooler for, I mean, if you like Ron Funches, um, if you've ever seen him do stand-up or, if, you know, we're able to see him on Enlisted and now on um, Undateable, you just know this guy has it. He, whatever that it is, he has it, and it's so fun to watch him. And I love that Detroit episode because of him. So, um, <laughs> how could you not know everything he wears says Detroit on it? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I know people like that. So, I just I think that the show has potential, especially for a summer comedy. You have to kind of give it credit for you know for not sucking. I, I know that's a really low bar. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see that on the DVD. Right, that, that's not going to make it. It cool doesn't far. suck, Mikisha um, Madden. Toby. <laughs> that doesn't suck for a summer show. Says uh, <laughs> Mikisha Madden. Toby. But, <laughs> but, but I just I think it has you know potential beyond the summer. And I think even if if NBC decides to relegate it to just a summer comedy, it's not that's not a bad idea in terms of you know it's it's head and shoulders above a lot of the other choices. Um, and the cast, I think they really work together, and there there seems to be like this really sort of comedic harmony going on and they just play, play off each other really well and I, I really like the casting and, and like i said I, I love Ron bunches so i think it's worth watching at least once and if you you know watch it and i'm not blown away i don't think anyone can watch it and say they hate it i don't think it'll listen to i that. really didn't like the pilot though i haven't been able i didn't watch past the, the pilot, pilot, was the pilot was, yeah the, the pilot, pilot was nice. really bad and it's funny because my husband loves comedy so usually i'll like we'll, we'll do a he'll like be like oh no go online and uh, go and look for that Detroit episode. Um, okay. Because it... I think I think it out, yeah. Or four. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it was arguably the best episode of the season, but that said, it still has, I think, a lot of potential there, and uh, it, it, it's a lot... It got, it got a lot better after the pilot. I'll put it that way. Okay. But I love Joe Lawrence. Like, I had a lot of... I think I also probably had high expectations of the show because it was a man behind Cougar Town and Scrubs, and, you know, I think I... Right. Right. Uh, you know, but 
I think because you know I think I, I have this like thing where like whenever a comedy starts with music with that but but music before anybody says a word of dialogue, I always like cringe because you just think it's going to be this certain type of comedy. I totally had that like funky kind of silly music before anybody said anything, and I was like, oh, <laughs> it, kind of went, it went downhill from there, you know. <laughs> but I like it now. You tell me it's better. Yeah, I think with any pilot, especially particularly, I don't know, with comedy pilot, I tend to never like the pilot. <laughs> or or it's the opposite. I love the pilot of the comedy, and the rest of the episode is awful. So right, it's right. really tricky. Um, and I think in this instance, it's actually sort of um, unfortunate that that was the pilot, but pilots are pilots, and it, got, like, it gets a lot better. It got a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I thought I needed to air that pilot because that was the whole setup of the show. So you know sometimes they'll air things out of order, but they could have had to air that one in order because they, they had. had I mean, yeah, I almost wish they had had aired the the pilot, the Detroit episode as the pilot first, um, or you you know just switch like you said switch the order. But I think they had to they had to establish who 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 was who and what the dynamic was, and they just sort of did it in a very clumsy manner. <laughs> um, right. Um, and but once that was sort of out of the way, it was sort of like when you first meet people, you're like, oh, okay, this person's strange. And then you see them a second or third time, and you're like, oh, they're not so bad. It's sort of like that. That's how that show is. <laughs> it's dateable. It's not on TV. Yeah. Again, like this is like a lot going on TV. Oh, it's not so bad. But Keisha's reading endorsement. Not so bad. Nikisha and Toby. I think it does get better though as as it goes uh, as it goes along. Even even if a pilot is not the strongest, I I hate when they. I mean, uh, ABC Family is going to do that with Mystery Girls. Not that that's a great mm-hmm. comedy either, but they're going to epi- They're going to air like episode three as the first episode, and then the pilot's going to air like sometime in July. Uh, and it, that makes no sense to me because why why would you air an episode that introduces all your characters later on and, and the premise of the well, I haven't show. even been able to bring myself to watch the screener for Mystery Girls because I want so desperately to like it and I can tell, I think, by the ads they've had for it, it's not going to be what I want it to be. <laughs> so I like literally, I think I just have to kind of deny it exists because I want so much, I love 90210, I want so much to love Mystery Girls, but I, I can't, I, I think it's going to be too painful for me to watch it. Like, <laughs> I think I have to like, go into like denial. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not the uh, <laughs> it's not the best, but then it's like uh, uh, I I like Ginny Garth. <laughs> it's like that. Mm-hmm. It's like that's enough. Like right now, mm-hmm. but yeah, with Undateable, I think it gets uh, better as they, even though they sort of all knew each other to begin with, as they really uh, they get a chance to fill each other out a little bit and and move along. Plus, they're not actors. Really, they're stand-up comedians, and so they're I comedians. think they're also getting, they're also working into playing these parts, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they start mm-hmm. to get a little better uh, with More that fun. as well. Yeah, I think it's different, right? Usually, it's like you, know, you have like a Ray Romano who's like a stand-up comedian, and you surround them by with actors, you know, and, and they didn't do that this time. It's all stand-up people, not all, but a lot of them are stand-up. Almost all, yeah. And oh, yeah. three, three, the crowd is the episode you should look for, Amy. Um, which I would argue. Okay. That episode of the, of the series. I'm gonna, so. After we're off this call, I'm going to go watch it. Like, you, like you, I trust your judgment. I'm curious. I'm going to watch it. I, I, maybe I've been wrong all this time about Undateable. Right. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I think there is, there is to be fair, I mean, I, I, I'm from Detroit. I, I thought the Detroit references were the spot on. But I don't think you even have to be from Detroit. It was funny. If you go to Twitter, it was, I was really happy to be in good company. The overwhelming reaction was, Watch this episode. It's so much better than the pilot, and <laughs> most of the tweets said that. And also, um, seriously, watch this episode because you'll like the show. Like, <laughs> like, right? It was just like, like not not that the show was great, not that anyone was like going to lie or like you know sort of butter it up. But I think that this sort of that episode, seeing that episode, you're like this show has potential, and 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 you can feel that Bill Lawrence influence, it's sort of like not taking yourself too seriously and having fun and seeing this kind of, you know, multi-camera comedy for what it is and, and enjoying that space because, because Bill Lawrence is, you know, so well known for Scrubs um, and now Cougar Town, he doesn't get a chance to play around with that as much, you know, that, that TBS show that was the bottom floor or whatever it was. Oh yeah. Ground been, floor. Ground floor. That was, I, I, mean, thought that, I thought the pilot for that was much stronger than the pilot for Undateable. I think that was what threw me too. It was, ground floor was like, I didn't care about it. <laughs> right. No, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of the opposite of you know. Although if you like the actress from that show, she's on both. She's right? on this show too. So, 
<laughs> I really like I'd like to see it. Uh, I mean, it's doing it's doing as well as any other comedy's done on NBC, and it's in the middle of the summer, you know. So I, I, I'd like to see it, you know, maybe even just become, you know, if they found something else uh, to pair it with over like next summer where they could run it, you know, 13 straight weeks instead of uh, two a week uh, like they're doing now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that I, I'd like to I'd like to see that. And, and Ron Funches is really he gets a lot of great lines <laughs> in there. And a lot of our, a lot of that is him improvising. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for Amy, but there's this fantastic line in the Three of the Crowd episode where he talks to a bobblehead, and <laughs> just thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, or in one of these, uh, I can't remember which episode it was in, but the where he, the whole bit about that he wants uh, he wants him to apologize for ruining his dream, and uh, and he <laughs> and he says that he's going to come into his dreams, and just the whole the whole bit about <laughs> him getting into the other. A couple of the other characters' heads uh, was was really funny. Do, do you remember him on um, New Girl? He plays like a homeless singing homeless man, and it was the most like minor, probably oh. forgettable role. But I remember him, and I remember thinking, "What is the deal with this guy?" And now seeing him on Enlisted and even better on Undateable, you're like, "Okay, that's why they had him do this random cameo on New Girl because they saw it too." Yeah, it's just a. Uh... I think they get, they become a better group. Uh, it becomes a little less uh, sort of loud and crazy, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it was in the in the first couple episodes. Uh, plus, you start to get a little bit more about each of the characters, so mm-hmm. it, it develops them a, a little bit more as it as it goes through. And uh, I don't, I really I really like it. Yeah, it's something to be said about oh, that. You guys are convincing. <laughs> <laughs> that they're stand-up comedians and they, they found that sort of comedic groove. I think there's definitely something to be said about that. That's what happens with all the good shows. So Not that it's on the caliber of any of those shows, but it's still fun to see that sort of come together when you have those mostly stand-up comedian cast and you say, okay, they, they're, they're figuring it out. They've got the rhythm. Yeah. Later, later today, we'll see the... Uh... We'll see the tweet from Amy that goes, oh, my God, what were you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just privately email you <laughs> with a sad face, like no words, just a sad face. Sad face, right? Right. And then they are watchable. Sad face, right? Sorry, Makisha, didn't even live up to your "it doesn't suck" <laughs> recommendation. Her, her single, her simple sad face will say it all. I, I know Amy well. Her short hand. <laughs> all right. So uh, next up, Orphan Black, uh, season two, episode ten, uh, by means which have never been tried, uh, the season finale. So, what did you uh, think of uh, the season finale, Amy, and the you know the second season in general? You know, I had some problems with the second season. I think my headline is like not enough Paul. Like, I really didn't think there was enough Paul. I was surprised he wasn't on more as a character because I thought he was a great character. But in general, I just thought. I, I think the, sh- the hook of the show has always been Tatiana Malzani and her performance. Like, that's the kind of amazing part of the show. Like, in the season finale, that dance scene's amazing. Like, <laughs> just the way how she gets into all these different characters, the technology behind how they do it. It's, you know, when you think about, you know, Ringer versus Orphan Black and, you know, like, the technology you're able to do with Orphan Black to make it seem so real, it's it's great. And, you know, if you didn't know it was the same actress playing this role, you'd think, like, oh, some triplets have been cast in the show. You know, it's a really, it's amazing. But I, I to me... And I, I think it's off as the first season that the performances were stronger than the plot line supporting it. And I, I felt particularly in the season two, it just became to me too convoluted and too complicated. Um, and just in particular all the season finale, that final scene that now we know there's male clones as well, that I was just kind of like, okay, are we just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks? I, I, I'm getting a sense of maybe there's not an overall vision. I don't know. So I didn't, I didn't love the scene. I loved her performance. I loved certain moments. But I don't overall. I'm just like I. I thought it became to me a little bit too convoluted. Yeah. Uh, well, there there is something to having like an overall idea of where you're going, but then being flexible enough to change if you come up with a better idea or or come across something. But uh, it felt like, or, or at least from reading some of the interviews, is that they they came up with this idea to have to introduce male clones at some point as they were going into this season. And it wasn't until like 
halfway through the season that they decided like who, <laughs> like who was going to be the male clone, and then they didn't tell him until the ten, you know, right before they gave him the script for the tenth episode, uh, which I think works for him in that he wasn't playing, he, you know, he's playing the previous, uh, he's playing uh, Mark or whatever uh, without any knowledge because I don't think that character necessarily knows anything. Uh, uh, right, about, right, exactly. So it, it works there, but it also makes me go, they must really like this guy because they, they didn't, like, test him out to see how well he could do playing, you know, like, uh, they must really trust that he can pull pull off something similar uh, to Tatiana Maslany because if you then have male clones but the performances aren't, you know, are become a drawback in the next season... Uh, I think that could be uh, that could be a big problem. Uh, I like the idea of of opening the the conspiracy up more, but some things just felt weird. Like all of a sudden, Marion, who felt like she came in as like the big bad, is all of a sudden now like she also has a little clone daughter. Right, right, exactly. You know, and and is and is actually trying to. Uh, is all involved in this because she adopted this daughter and, and wants to help her out. And she wasn't around enough to really, I mean, I love Michelle Forbes. So I was really excited to see her on the show. I've always an actress I've always really loved, but it didn't, I don't know. We didn't see, it was, she didn't appear enough or something. It was a weird, it didn't see her enough to really have her make a huge impact. Like you said, I was like, is she bad? Is she good? But I seen at the end with the daughter, I'm like, what? I just, yeah, it was all very, yeah, because she's all like, it's time to get rid of Dr. Leakey. It's all, you know, let's do, you know, those type of things. Like she's the, you know, like the, the top of the food chain for the, you know, at least for diet or something like that. But then she's also apparently kind of a good guy sort of right, thing right. now. Or all of a sudden not. it was a weird, that was a weird thing is like when it almost made me go like, well, did they, when did they decide this twist? Some of the season just felt like they were spinning their wheels at times, like. They weren't really Agreed. going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden they, I don't know, they came up with like their idea and they dropped it all in the last few episodes uh, and and most of it in this last one. Although with the expansion of it uh, being a military thing that had, uh, you know, uh, male clones, it looks like, you know, Paul may be a bigger part next season of, right. <laughs> of, of the story. But people love Paul. I thought it was so weird that he was he was like gone episodes at a time. I know. I mean, I meant to look up if that was the actor's unavailability or what was going on there. But I thought it was very strange that he wasn't more of a presence. Well, it was like in story wise, it it kind of made sense that he would be like trying to stay away from people from Dyad, but that he would just disappear completely was sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, strange. Because you, yeah, it was like almost the. Uh, the second half of the season, he wasn't in it at all until like this finale episode. Uh, right. It, it seemed like, and I don't know, there was just a, there was just a lot of stuff where it was almost the only good thing about the season was like Tatiana's performances. Right. I mean, and I felt like, you know, even the first season, I felt like, well, the performance is stronger than the show. Like the show had some kind of really, you know, even but the it first felt season, like it was building and... something. Right. Exactly. But then this season it got there and it, there didn't seem to be anything for a, right. a good part of the season. Uh, it, it was just, again, or even more so, uh, her performances. I mean, I still still love it. <laughs> I mean, that, for right now, that's still enough to, like, keep me watching. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, her performance <laughs> is phenomenal. It's, like, unlike anything you've ever seen before. I mean, it's a phenomenal performance. I think, that, like you said, that's the hook. That's the hook. And I just have to kind of figure out a show that supports that phenomenal performance. And, you know, I think they probably had such a huge first season that they weren't expecting. But that does put a lot of pressure creatively. It's like, how do we figure this out if we don't have a vision? And you just didn't get the sense that it wasn't a cohesive vision for the show. And like you said, things can change along the way, but you need to have an overarching, like, idea of where you're going. And you definitely didn't get the sense that they had that. Yeah, it's, it 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 seems like they had an idea uh, for a show and maybe for the season, and then you know they get to a certain point and then they go, okay, we're going to figure out what season two is, uh, and then some point during season two they're like, well, this is how we're going to end the season, so we're going to have male clones, and now season three is they're sitting around figuring out how are we going to uh, create them. The extra, con- the added conspiracy of the male side uh, of uh, 
you know, of, of this. Yeah, I worry they'll make it even more convoluted than it already is. <laughs> Instead of giving it like a creative vision, it'll just become even more complicated. Because sometimes I just feel like, I mean, I'm watching the show every week and I'm not quite sure what we're doing. You know, <laughs> you know I'd be paying attention, but I was a little bit, I thought it was a little too convoluted for me, for my taste. And these, I mean, these are be complicated and convoluted or intricate. and. Com- I mean, I think it can be complicated and that's really good, but convoluted when you can't really... I just, you know, that's the whole, like, you don't really know if they know what they're doing. So you're hard talking to keep up with what they're doing. Yeah. And, well, then it also, because it's only a 10-episode series, it's so long before you get another... Mm-hmm. That, like, when you started watching season two, you're like, well... What do I need to remember from season one? Like, exactly. What, no, totally. What is important from that? It's so far back. And now it'll be, you know, almost a year again before uh, the the show's back for uh, its third season. And the, you'll be just like, although almost on this case, all you got to really remember is that, that now there's um, a mail no side to also investigate. Although, I mean, maybe it'll... Uh, It'll give uh, Tatiana a little break next season because they'll have uh, right, the, right. <laughs> they can right. split some of the story. I feel like that the... character wasn't even the most interesting character they could have had cloned. You know what I mean? I wasn't. He wasn't even a character I paid that much attention to. Like, you know? yeah, like, I, I, I think to your point of like, did they really? Well, I think it kind of worked. It, I think it kind of worked just because like there was something like in the first episode that he appeared that, uh, or somewhere along the line that he was uh, a deserter from the military. Like that right, was like part right. of his backstory, and so then it became there was a military thing, and so like that fit. Some people wanted to see, uh, uh, um, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, you know, his her brother, you know, her adopted brother. Oh, that would have been too upsetting. And I, I was like, I was like that. While it might have been fun to watch him play a bunch of different characters, uh, that would have been just like too, like one step too far of like the the possibility. You know the the absolute coincidence that this would have happened like twice that they would have ended up and they would have ended up knowing each other, uh, right? That just seemed like no. that would be like way too far. And Seymour's just such a fun character, and he provides like the comic relief a lot on the show and everything too. And I think to make him the clone would have taken away from that. Yeah, for a second, it it, it seemed like they might have uh, be like like Paul was going to be uh, mm-hmm. the, the 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 potential clone when they started talking about military and. And stuff, but uh, I I think it probably if you know if he's able to pull off uh, different characters where you believe that he's you know actually different people uh, like Tatiana does, then I think it works. I think it works to choose as of the people that they had available. They couldn't have just they had to introduce somebody that you'd seen before. Uh, otherwise, there's no impact in the the scene at the end where she says "I know him" mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. Uh, and so there wasn't a whole lot of choices really to uh, uh, to go with. So I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to next season, but still mainly for uh, the performances. I hope they can get their handle on a little bit more of a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that because uh, I I do feel some of that sometimes when you're watching it, where you you feel like you start to feel a little lost as mm-hmm. to what the like what's important here. Like what, right. what, what part of this investigation are we, is, is, is really a, an important thing that we need to know going forward. I agree. I totally agree. Um, but I'm still going to watch season three. So you're right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding anybody. I'm going to be back for season three. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's not like I'm going anywhere. Uh, you know. Right. I want it to be good because we like her and we like the show. So we want it to be the best it can be. All right. That'll, uh, that'll do it for uh, Orphan Black. And uh, next up on the list is uh, The Last Ship, uh, Season 1, Episode 1, the pilot, hyphen, Phase 6, the series premiere. And uh, Amy, what did you think of The Last Ship? Oh, (laughs) just like, no. Like, when I saw it, I was like, Rona Mitra is like a a, a scientist. Like, I just can't. Like, when she was out on the frozen tundra with her, like, hair flowing down, like, I'd bundle up more to go from my house to the car in the winter. Like, she she was just like, with all her full makeup. I mean, I just cannot, I can buy it. And by Eric Dane as a ship captain, Rona Mitra is like a a scientist that's going to save the world. Like, all of it just seemed to me ridiculous and not ridiculous in a fun way and ridiculous in a like I can't watch this way because I think that the show is taking itself seriously like if the show was kind of campy I think I would have been on board but the show seems to think they're involved in a really high stakes drama and I just couldn't get on board with that 
Yeah, it does seem to be in a sort of a high stakes drama, but with, I mean, I liked it for the sort of summer popcorn action flick in this of it. It felt a little bit like a throwback uh, to something that like uh, a high school me would have really liked right, <laughs> on right. TV back uh, back in the late eighties. Like yeah, right, right, right. uh, <laughs> but uh, some of the dialogue was just so terrible. And that, oh like God. I said, they were taking it so seriously, but yet the lines of dialogue that they were doing were so cliche and uh, and badly written uh, that when they said it seriously, it came off not so great. You know, right. Type of thing. No, but I mean, honestly, Rona Mitra as a scientist, can we can we just like it just didn't work? You know what I mean? I always think of that movie Soap Dish where Terry Hatcher Terry Hatcher plays a neurologist and she's like, I'm Dr. Mitra. <laughs> it was like a joke that she was playing a neurologist. I mean, that's what it seemed, it seemed to be like there's just it was very hard for me to buy and nothing against that actress. I like that actress. I just didn't buy her as if she's like this renowned scientist. Like it's just it just didn't work for me. Yeah, there were there there were some things that uh yeah that didn't quite that didn't quite work, but overall, I've sort of you know liked it enough, uh, you know that I, I watched a couple more or whatever another episode or two. I can't remember how many were on the uh, the screeners, but it continues on with sort of that silly seriousness <laughs> that, <laughs> that, uh, going forward. But there's an there was like enough in the action and and stuff that I'll probably continue to to watch it over the summer. Uh, I think it, I think it pairs up pretty well with the, uh, you know, action wise with, with falling skies mm-hmm. and enough. Uh, it did pretty well last night for, uh, for very well. it, 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 <laughs> premiered, it, very well. it like hit their target <laughs> demographic. Right. Like. I hope it's going to see if people come back though. You know, the, a lot of times people, I think Eric Dane has a lot of appeal and they did a lot of advertising for the show. I think will be the true test will be who comes back for episode two next week. Yeah, that that definitely definitely will see what kind of a a drop it has next week. But I I don't know. I think it might I think it might do well enough. I think it'll continue to do pretty probably do pretty well for them. You know, even if it drops off some, it it'll just drop down to what Falling Skies did. You know, right, right. Four seasons. I think that's why they put that number in. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, it'll be okay if next week it drops. Look, Falling Skies is doing this number. <laughs> you know, so yeah, if it drops from the five plus million to down to around the 4 million mark or something like, uh, uh, or so that, uh, that falling skies has, then, you know, I'm, I'm sure it'll stick around, but to me, it, it did sort of fall into the sort of the, the Rizzolian Isles, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of perception, all mm-hmm. these shows that are like, they're well-made, but they're, they're like, w- they're like really well-made mediocre shows. Exactly. No, that's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. And they had that one over the Christmas time um, from Frank. What was it called? Uh, the one they had at Christmas time from uh, Frank Darabont, and it just didn't do well for them. I thought that was a much. It was a different, very different type of show for TNT. And so I think they kind of know their wheelhouse, and they know their their sweet spot. They're sticking to it. Yeah, although that yeah that uh, I I didn't really care for that one either though. Like uh, that was, I don't know. It, it wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't in their uh, like what they do. Although, but there's but there's things like. To me, I put like major crimes, like head and shoulders quality wise, above things like Rizzoli and Isles and uh, oh yeah and stuff where okay. it it's really well done, but it's also really r- well written, you know. And the 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 cases and the stories that they do are much uh, are and the, you know just the dialogue of the characters and stuff is is much better than than some of these other things. But yet, I at least over the summer. Is like oh, we talked earlier. There's a there's a little bit lower bar uh, to cross, mm-hmm. and there's less stuff on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, so I use something is like it's like you said entertaining. Like that's why they have like the big blockbuster popcorn movies in the summer. Yeah, like, so I I think I think I'll probably continue to to watch. I got watch it. Send you an email with a sad face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sad. Too sad. It just yeah. It just. Undateable, sad face, last ship, sad face. <laughs> okay, well, I think that'll do it uh, for uh, The Last Ship. The The last show on the primetime list is uh, Tyrant, uh, Season 1, Episode 1, The Pilot, uh, which uh, premieres tomorrow night 
as of this recording or yesterday, as of the first day, you'll be able to listen to this episode. And uh, Makisha, what did you think about Tyrant? I really enjoyed it. It was funny because I heard so many grumbles and rumbles um, before I'd even seen it. I was very like reticent, like, oh, God, it's going to be bad and the acting's going to be bad. And like, I mean, But that wasn't the case at all. And I don't think that people were necessarily saying that as much as they were just really voicing a lot of disappointment in the fact that um, Adam Rayner is playing the lead guy. And I, I remember him from Mistresses. I like him. He looks like, like a real-life embodiment of Archer, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I like him more. Um, and I was really fine with him being in that role. I, I went to school with a woman who was of Middle Eastern descent and sort of looked more white. So the, the argument that people were saying that he should not be cast in that role because he's British and he's white just sort of threw me and I'm trying not to let that seep in as I watched it. And, and like I said, I enjoyed it. I, despite, well, like I said, a lot of that people being um, very disappointed in him being cast in that role. I think he's perfect in the role. Um, I think he's very much sort of like what people are comparing it, sort of comparing it to Godfather and saying it's Godfather for the Middle East. I think that's a stretch. I do see why they are saying that. And I think he's sort of that, he does fit that Michael Corleone, like reluctant to be a part of the family business thing and really well. And um, I, don't know, I, just, I just did not hate it. I, I, didn't, I expected to to some, to some extent because people, like I said, were saying so many bad or negative things about him being in that role. And I understand that, how people were like, well, why not get a Middle Eastern actor, um, to, a, a actor of Middle Eastern descent to play the lead role? But they didn't, and I think it works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I would ha- I'd have to say until I even like saw some of those stories, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't, like, look in enough to, like, who's playing the parts. They just seemed, they seemed to fit for the roles that they were playing. I, yeah. It didn't even uh, occur to me that, so I guess on the acting front and everything, it, it works pretty well. What do you think, Amy? Well, I mean, I think a couple things. I think it's probably getting a bigger scrutiny because it's on FX. Like, I think if it was on USA, people wouldn't be giving it this huge critical eye. There's also a lot of talk about how everything's in English and nobody's speaking in Arabic and all this stuff. And I, and I think that's a relatively new phenomenon of having actors speak, you know, characters speak in, in Russian or Spanish and then translating it. That that really started with Lost, if you think about it, with uh, Jin and Sun's characters. Like, that was really the first time they would let characters speak in other languages and translate it and just know that the audience would keep up. Um, so there's getting a lot of flack for it all being in English as well. And I think, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. I don't know if it necessarily needed to have characters speaking in native tongue to, to be a stronger drama. I, I also, I mean, I definitely understand the argument of why they cast an actor of Middle Eastern descent because there aren't that many roles that come along for actors of Middle Eastern descent that aren't, you know, like the villain of the week of a CBS the crime drama or something. <laughs> like, and so I, I get the sense behind it. It's also taking place in a fictional country, which I think makes it a little weird, right? Like, it's not, it's a fictional Arab country. It's not one that actually Right, that is weird. <laughs> and I think it's supposed to be like Jordan Wink or Mariah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right, but it's not, but it, it's a made-up one. Um, I, I, you know, it's a little, I thought was funny about the pilot is you just don't kind of get how he got himself in this predicament, like how he never told his wife about his child. You know, like, if he doesn't really know all the things that went on, I'm like, really? Like, this wouldn't come up? You seem to be here in a while. You have kids. Like, <laughs> that was the exact thing that I thought about at the end of this pilot was, is, you know, he says, we should have never have come. And all I was <laughs> thinking was, yes, you should have never have come. And this all could have been avoided if at any point in the last you 18 told your years wife. <laughs> you had given any hint to your wife and your family of what because like then your son wouldn't be just like totally enamored by you know the wealth of uh, you know Mm -hmm. if he actually had some a little bit of education on like where this came from and what the deal is uh, uh, going on here instead of you know a lot of the stuff came that goes on that was the thing that that when me I was like well it it was interesting Uh, some good performances I liked the idea of of this of it being you know not a a cop medical lawyer show you know anytime you you get outside of that box uh, i'm always you know more interested to check something out but when it came to the end of it and all i and all i could see was well this if he would have just ever talked to his family <laughs> none of this would have ever happened <laughs> oh, you left on a trip like oh 
at the airport, you could have talked to me and been like, you know what, let me tell you guys a couple of things. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, it, it is like, it's not the bridge, it's not the Americans, it's not, like, it doesn't have a caliber, I think, of some of the FX shows, what we come to expect from FX shows. But you know, I think it, I, I think it's a kind of soapy, and it, you know, it's a kind of a soapy, fun Summer, not fun isn't the right word, but you know what I mean, like, like intriguing to watch, kind of grabs your attention. But it's not that kind of hot so far that, um, and I have only seen the pilot. I know they're making the other episodes available. I've only seen the pilot, but it, it doesn't seem to have that kind of caliber of something of what we've come to expect from FX. So I think, I think it's getting an undue critical eye, maybe because of that, because it's like you said, it's Pinkish. It's not. It was entertaining. Like, I was entertained. But I do think I have – the problem, I think, is the premise. You just, like, kind of don't get how the guy got himself into this predicament. And, like, if it was really that bad and he knows how bad it is, like, then don't go back. Who cares whose birthday it is? <laughs> like, just wife, don't go back. Wife, but I think – The wife in that room is, like, so – she's worse than Diane Keaton's character in Godfather and that she's, like, so blissfully ignorant. Like, what is wrong, Barry? Like, his name is, like, Barry. <laughs> like, she's, like, so, so blind. So confused. Yeah, so, and I have to it, say, I was really happy to see. Yeah, I was happy to see Jennifer Finnegan in that role, though. I she's like one of those actresses I keep like wanting her to get a hit show. She's been yeah, around so long. She's done comedies and everything. I thought this was an interesting role for her because it's not what you typically see her in. No, you're um, right. So I did like that. I just thought she was too stupid, though. <laughs> she's oh, she's totally too stupid. Oh. Right? I mean, like, why? You know, the truth like. I can't think you'd be more suspicious of anything as a, as a wife. I was like, basically, like, been going back to your husband's, like, native country, and he's acting all stressed. You're like, what's happening? Are you upset? Like, like how do you not take the pieces together? Like, you know, I thought it was, I mean, I think that really was, to me, the the hardest part of it was, uh, just, like, I think the premise is going to be tough to justify. But also, even uh, being an adult, even if you don't know the specifics because your husband's never talked about it, you still know, like, what the situation is in the Middle East and, like, in the Middle you know, and, who, and who, you know, his fictional father is in that situation and, you know, what... Google like, him. You know, that, Google, Google your father in law yeah, Google my father in law He not even half of a third of the power that that man has, so use Google. <laughs> Oh, no, right, because you're just like, I mean, has she only been watching, like, ABC Family? Like, how does she not know what's going on in the world? <laughs> like, you have no, you know, because that was really tough. I mean, I was in the kids, right? The kids should be savvy enough also to, like. I wanted Googling. I mean, I could buy the kids being blissfully ignorant to uh, the situation if the father has never really talked about. Uh, his home life. they're older, and, right? I mean, I mean, they're like old enough to like yeah. be a little suspicious. I mean, teenagers in general are like they have suspicious. history classes. They're old enough for history classes. Yeah, but well, it almost seemed like a show that like you have to watch like two or three episodes and then like forget the basic premise of like what it's because like even now they stop him on the plane. Uh, you know, to tell him about, I assume, you know, to tell him about his brother as well. And is is now he, like his mom's going to try and talk him into being the reluctant leader of the, you know, to take over for his father. Uh, like, even at that point, he could just be like, no, we're out. <laughs> so like, right. Are you going to, are, are, are these people actually going to, the people that work for my father, are they actually going to keep me here? You know? Well, uh, right, because the most of like, the problem I had with American Horror Story in the first season, I was like, why don't they just move? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a fairly solvable problem. Go stay in a hotel, rent an apartment. You know, so I mean, I do think that's going to be tough. And what's weird about this is that FX usually does send out more than one episode. And they we saw this pilot, they made this pilot available to critics back in January. So they've had the pilot for a while. So it is interesting to me. That they reached out, they reached out a scene in the pilot, too, though. I thought that was interesting. They took out one scene and reached out another. Um, and it was yeah, interesting. But, but, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Which thing they decided to reshoot and which one they took out? I was I was a little confused by them. But it, it is weird though that they. I mean, here we are the day before, and they still. I don't. I think maybe just on Friday they made the episodes available online, and they're sending out the DVDs of the episodes two and three. It's just like it's different. So I don't know if they've had. I wonder if they've been having creative problems behind the scenes or production delays or something that we 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 haven't been able to see more. Because I think you're right, Jason. Like. If I'm going to have, like, the willing suspension of disbelief of, like, okay, I'm just going to buy that this guy somehow got sucked back in and he's never told his family anything, like, I need to see more episodes to know that I can kind of 
buy into that because right now I think yeah. he's also pretty unsympathetic because you're just like, oh my god, this is so solvable. Like, why don't you just talk to your family? You know, <laughs> yeah. so like, you have to see how that plays out. Well, it was funny because I watched it with my husband, and he goes, he went back for a wedding. Like, you don't go back to a country for 20 years and the, your nephew's wedding is what gets you back? <laughs> like, right, that right. That like, enough reason to go back. We were laughing and talking about that. Yeah, not not like your, like, brother's wedding or... No. Or something, or... Yeah, it was... At, which is what I thought it was at first until I was like, wait, he goes and he got, you know, his mom and his wife talked him into to coming back. I don't know. I like some of the idea and and potentially of what you know, could go, but I still have how it gets set up. Like it needed a better setup. Yeah. What do you think of all the characters speaking in English? Did you, or did you guys have a problem with that? That didn't bother me. Um, I think yeah. you do it. Yeah. That didn't really bother me partially because in this setting, you know, like it starts out, of course he's in America, you know, his family and everything, but like once he went over there, then like, Everybody they come in contact to would be talking another language and you'd be reading it on, you, you know, you'd have to be reading the subtitles. Right. And that, I don't know, that just seemed like a, it would end up being a lot uh, throughout <laughs> if you wanted to keep it. <laughs> totally authentic. You know, and and it's like the occasional thing. I mean, it, it works for something like Switched at Birth when they're talking uh, in sign language and they're telling you on the, mm-hmm. but, you know, you would have to be paying attention to what they were signing anyways. So it kind of fits uh, with with that. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like there would be too much of needing to translate languages if every, because everybody you would run into over there would be speaking, uh, you know, a foreign language. And so mm-hmm. the only time would be like when he was talking with his family or maybe the occasional person that actually, uh, you know, does speak speak English and for me while I could do it I'm not a huge fan of subtitles because I actually want to watch the show I don't mm-hmm. want to have to watch the bottom of the screen uh, it's like I am assuming there was a great performance there but I was reading at the bottom of the screen the whole time <laughs> right and I think like first Americans it really worked because yeah, like, all the okay. scenes and like, you know were in Russian because that made sense or the character when the two characters were Russian they were speaking in Russian that made a lot of sense. I think it really worked on that show. I think there's some shows where it totally worked. Like you said, Switch to Birth is another one. The Bridge was another one. I think it totally worked. Um, I, I don't know if it was necessary here. And I have to say, I have to confess, like, I didn't really notice. I didn't think about it because I think it's more the norm that we don't do that. Like the, the TV yeah, shows don't do that. I mean, it's a relatively new phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think of Ashraf Barham? He plays Jamal, the brother. I thought he was over the job. I thought he was too much. <laughs> There is a lot of, me- I mean, I think that's the other problem going on. There's a lot of melodrama. Like, it, I mean, that's what I mean. He has it's a kind of like, like the dancing and the violence, and he just seems like almost like a caricature, like of all of right. the characters, of all of the characters. I mean, and this is, this is a pretty deep cast. He just bugged me a couple, at least a couple of times. I was just like, oh, God, this guy with the thing, and oh, God. <laughs> you know, like, like, like twirling his mustache or something. Yeah, yeah. went from being like the you know the completely scared kid that that the dad wanted to become, you know, the strong man to over the course of the time has become, you know, has gone way too far the other direction. Way too far, and I like the kid better. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> the kid actor better too. <laughs> in, the, in the pilot, at least. Okay. Yeah, I I think there's definitely there's definitely a few problems with the. With the show, although, but I want to watch it. I want to watch the second episode. I want to see. Um, I, it intrigued me enough to at least watch another episode. I put it that. Agreed. I'm curious about it. I mean, it might be we watch the second episode. and We're like, okay, we're all set here, or it could be we watch the second episode. Maybe go, oh, okay, I can let go of right. some of these issues well, if I the had. Well, the second just episode the can make some sort of argument that gets you on board with why he would stay, because that's the series. Like, right. <laughs> if he goes home, the show's over, so he has to stay. <laughs> but right. you got to give me a plausible reason within this world that you've set up of why he would, you know, do that. Even with the, uh, you know, it should have been you uh, and all this stuff from his father before he died. And I don't know. They, they need to give a really good uh, reason. Because once they get there, and if they... He does decide to stay. See, then the wife 
starts to hear things and by then she should be like well i'm out <laughs> like <laughs> i'm taking the kids and leaving because this place is like, dangerous oops made a minute oops sorry i pushed the issue we should have just stayed home right <laughs> you're right we should have never come <laughs> right right what's your name again yeah. Right. They build it as like a 13 episode series, but really actually there's only two episodes here. So we're like, okay, we're all going home. The end. Well, that is a real problem, though, when things are so solvable that you just feel like, how did we get to this place? But I love these days. It's a very different premise. So that's, I think that is something to not be ignored that they're doing something very different. And I do think it's going to get extra scrutiny because it's taking place in the Middle East. Because, you know, I think it's just going to be a lot of scrutiny on the show in general. Yeah. And it's a big, like you said, fictional country. People are speaking English, blah, blah, blah. Right. There's a lot, I mean, like, not casting a Middle Eastern actor because there really aren't that many opportunities. And I can, I can see that. I think right. it's a valid argument. I also think it's a valid argument that the casting, you know, they wanted to, they cast who they thought was the best actor. Um, and he's, and they can say the cast colorblind or, you know, in, in, the, in a way that didn't work out so well. But <laughs> <laughs> the opposite colorblind. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. It's the, that that uh, fictional Middle Eastern English-speaking country that... Uh, Right. The, the, he's from. Right, exactly. Right. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for uh, for Tyrant and uh, Prime Time. And uh, next up, the TV recommendations. Uh, my recommendation for uh, uh, this week is uh, The Bridge, Season 1. Uh, it comes out uh, on Blu-ray DVD uh, tomorrow, as of this recording, Tuesday, uh, June 24th. Uh, and uh, also uh, Season 2, which uh, premieres Wednesday, uh, July 9th. Uh, I really liked uh, the first season. There's some good performances. Again, while this is a cop show, it's set in such an interesting place that there's so much more going on uh, between, you know, the the city and, uh, and you know, Juarez in, in Mexico and then uh, in Texas and, and going around the border. So it, it delves into uh, different issues than your average cop show does. Uh, I liked they give you sort of a big mystery, but it was kind of interesting uh, for a show like this that they actually like solve that a couple episodes before the end of the mm-hmm. season. And they spend the last couple episodes basically setting up what's to come uh, for the new season. Uh, and it, the new season, you know, picks up a, a, a little bit, uh, picks up a, I think it's a few months later, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some, you know, introduces a couple of interesting new characters. It's quite the world that they've uh, developed uh, in the show. And uh, while at times I do feel a little lost in some of the bigger things that they're doing, they usually do finally come around and clue you into uh, what's going on. But I, I really uh, like the, the, the two leads. I think they work well off of each other. And then just the whole dynamic of the stories being in that they're doing being so much different than your average cop show. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen season one, you know, gets, it, gets the DVD or watches it. But I thought what really, I really appreciated about the show is too, is it was, it was, you didn't know what was going to happen. It did definitely zig when you thought it was sag. I thought it took some really like risky choices in what it did uh, with the characters, especially in terms of who lives and who dies. Like, I just thought they did some really interesting things with the show that I really appreciate. And I agree. I think Diane Kruger, Diane Kruger and uh, Damien Burchier were just, they were just fantastic as the leads. I, I, and I think there were little missteps along the way and there were things that didn't quite work. And even like the big bad reveal was a little bit like you had to kind of piece it together. Uh, but although I was suspicious for him for a while, they give the character for a while, but I do think uh, I really did like, I liked the bridge a lot and I'm really interested in seeing season two. All right. And uh, Amy, what's your uh, recommendation? is chasing life on ABC Family. I, you know, I feel like ABC Family to me is what the WB used to be. It kind of creates these kind of great shows that I think are particularly enjoyable to watch during the summer. We've been talking a lot about like the summer show phenomenon. And I think it's like, you know, like good beach reads. Like sometimes you don't want to read War and Peace. Sometimes you want to just read a really fun story that, <laughs> yeah. keeps, that, keep, that keeps you entertained and like gets your, gets your attention and is well-written and well-executed, but isn't going to you know, necessarily like change your life or, you know, going to be like really hard to keep up with or intricate. Um, and Chasing Life, I mean, has an interesting premise was a girl who's young, um, young 23-year-old, diagnosed with leukemia, 
um, and doesn't want to tell her family her job because things are kind of starting to come together for her as a young woman. She says this career is taking off, her romance is taking off. Uh, so there's a lot going on. It's one of those shows, too, where you feel like they kind of threw in everything but the kitchen sink, you know, to try to get all these different plots going. But I really enjoy it. Um, I thought it, I think it's really entertaining, and I also think I'm partial to it because I live in Boston, and they did shoot the pilot in Boston, which I truly appreciate. And they actually shot the um, newsroom scenes, the girl, the woman, the lead is a uh, news reporter at the Boston Globe, and then we created a lot of that. And even um, in the second episode, while they're not no longer filming in Boston, they use a lot of a Boston background and authentic things, and they, and they say the right words. It always used to drive me crazy, like on Boston Legal, where they would you know, say things wrong or have palm trees in the shot. And I'm like, there are no palm trees in Boston. <laughs> you know, so I really like the authenticity of, of, of it. it does, you know, like it takes place in Boston. You kind of really believe it does. Like, you know, they use the right cities and locations and street names and they, they say the tea or you know, they say the things the way they should be said. You mean so I like that part of it. As opposed to like Rosalie um, Niles? I, I know exactly. And so I don't know why it bugs me so much because like no one unless you live here you don't know. But I used to I'm like it seems to take a modicum of research to kind of get the like lingo right. Uh, so I know, and I just think it's a really. I mean, I think you know, to me, I love the Fosters. I really like Switch to Birth. I'm enjoying Tasting Live a lot. I just think uh, ABC Family ha- kind of is fulfilling up a niche that we don't have. Other networks aren't uh, of what they're kind of doing with their programming. Yeah, I really like Chasing Life. It's it's a bit of a tough premise, but. Uh, I think they they pulled it off uh, pretty well uh, in the in the first couple episodes, and it's it's one I'm going to keep up with uh, uh, for the for the rest of the rest of the summer. Well, it's funny because it is such a tough premise, but it doesn't it's not a downer of a show, which is kind of interesting, right? Because you just if you read the log line, you'd be like, "Well, that is the most depressing thing ever." I don't want to watch a show about a girl diagnosed with leukemia, but it doesn't have that feel to it. Well, I think it does take her disease seriously, and I think like in the second episode, she doesn't want to go with treatment right away. She says, oh, you know, I wouldn't have even known about this if I hadn't had my blood tested. Like, why? I have other things. I'm too busy. And I just thought that was actually probably a really legitimate reaction to what someone might have. If they were, like, 22 and diagnosed with leukemia, it's kind of at the prime of their life of starting off all these different things in their life. And, and I also think it has other interesting things going on, too, with the, the father who's passed away and the father has a, another family or at least another daughter. There's, like, a lot of, a lot of plot points out there. I, I, I thought that reveal at the end of the pilot where she, uh, another girl is going to visit the, the same grave as her dad was it like, I really, part of me was like seriously, we're going to add that into this mix too leukemia wasn't enough, but I do think it would be kind of interesting to see how it all plays out Yeah, well it kind of played into the, you know, maybe the uncle is not the bad guy that the family has made him out to be, and maybe exactly. the dad who's been, is not necess- wasn't necessarily the greatest guy Right type type of thing. So yeah, it added an interesting extra story element. Uh, in, into I also it. just need to talk about how Stephen Weber plays the uncle on that show. Like, is there a show Stephen Weber hasn't been on? Because he's also on Murder <laughs> in the First. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, I love him, but he's on everything. I'm like, I think it'd be easier to name the shows he's not on than to name the shows he is on. You know? Yeah, it's like <laughs> uh, right now, it's like uh, uh, Stephen Weber, uh, Keegan Michael Key, and Zach Woods. They're like on every show. <laughs> they're, they're they're on like two or three different shows at the same time. Uh, Keegan Michael Key was on two shows that were airing at the same time. Right. <laughs> Fargo and Playing House. Uh, it's a, definitely a, an interesting time. But yet, with some of these cable shows, when they're only doing you know short seasons or or they usually do twenty episode seasons, but they usually do them ten at a time. Uh, right. on on ABC Family. So, but when you're doing those type of things, you know, as an actor these days, you could probably get some pretty good roles on multiple shows because uh, you still only end up shooting like 20 episodes, but you're on three different shows to do it. No, I love that they're like working actors. Like they want to work, right? And they want the good. They want to have parts and act. And act. I think that's great. I love it. Like I love it. But I really like when I just watched Stephen Webber on Murder in the Forest, and then he was on uh, Jason Live. I was like, Dear <laughs> Lord, this man. Like no. But I think it's great. I mean, and also I do think there's that whole. I mean, I get it to someone who writes, right? You just want to keep working, and you know, so they keep working. And and too, I think he's really good in this role. Like you said, I think they are setting up that maybe he's not the bad guy. I think. Um, he, they all think he is, and I think he's kind of that's a great role for him because there is. I he can play. He's played good. He's played bad. He's played slime. He's played you know you know innocent and wonderful. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, definitely definitely a good show. I'd put it uh, in a an upper an upper tier of uh, summer viewing shows. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's a uh, it's definitely uh, in the uh, above average. Uh, Above average category, but it, I I laugh to hear you talk about you know when you see something shot in Boston. I I get that all the time 
uh, with the things that are supposed to be set in Seattle, uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. but they film in Vancouver, uh, you know, right. <laughs> type of thing. That yeah, that yeah, just a little bit of. For the most part, they did a decent job on the killing of uh, at least yep. naming places and not making it seem like you could get everywhere like super quick. Uh, right. Th- but there's been other other things that uh, just uh, that at all. The one that always gets me is speaking of shows set in Boston uh, to go off on a tangent is, was was uh, Crossing Jordan. Uh, mm-hmm. And I always love that show while the main cast uh, of the a lot of the doctors and stuff or at the medical examiners were all from various different places. I always loved that everybody they came in contact with, that the only person that ever had a Boston accent was her dad that ran the bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like there was everybody else. It was like he was like, well, I'm if it's show set in Boston, I'm doing a Boston accent. But everybody else they ever ran into, every everybody they investigated, uh, you know, never, never had, you know, you never ran into anybody with a Boston accent. And I was just like, how? How's that, that type of stuff? Always. Oh, no, I do have to say, I appreciate on Chasing Life that they don't have it. Like, because I think sometimes that's overplayed as someone who lives in this area. Yeah, sure, you run into people with accents, but most people don't have, like, the pronounced Kennedy accent that the, you know, TV and movies want us to have. So I did like on Chasing Life that they didn't have that. I thought that was good. But I did, I mean, I, for me, it was Boston Legal would send me over the edge, maybe <laughs> driving down the street for the crime scene, maybe driving down by palm trees. I'm like, seriously, we can't CGI those out? Like, there's no palm trees in Boston. Like, come on. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, that was always a... Uh... Uh, psych, you know, they filmed up in around Vancouver area, but it's set in Santa Barbara. And so they'd be driving around out in like the mountains and you're like, where, where did you, (laughs) where did you end up in the mountains? (laughs) And just out, you know, just outside of Santa Barbara, what's the, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to look past some of those things and enjoy the, uh, the other stuff. And Makisha, what uh, what is your uh, what is your recommendation? Uh, I recommend Witches of East, and it's a fun show. Again, it's a fun summer show, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's on Lifetime. I, I totally dig Witches on TV. I love this whole movement that hopefully doesn't die anytime soon of uh, American Horror Story Coven, and now Witches of East. And not so much with Salem because I'm not a fan, but that's for another day. But uh, Witches of East End, Julia Ormond is great. And, you know, even Jenna Dewan Tatum, who people don't typically tend to like acting-wise, uh, is really fun. She has a lot of fun on the show. She's, she has a great character. My favorite actress on the show is Rachel Boston. She's a total scene stealer. Oh, I love Trent American Dreams. Yeah, and she's really good on this show. She's arguably the best actress on the show and arguably the best and most developed character on the show. But you can tell she's just really digging her heels in and... and really getting into it. Not that the other actresses aren't, but she just, it's something about her. She lights up everything that she's in. And, you know, I can't wait to see what they do with her in second, the second season. It looks like they're going to do a lot in terms of uh, tying her to some, some possible warlocks and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for American Horror Story Coven, it's not that. It doesn't take itself as serious. Well, you know, American Horror Story Coven didn't take itself too seriously. But um, <laughs> in terms of being, being on the darker end of, witchcraft it's not but it still it, it dabbles in that it takes the witchcraft part of it seriously but the rest of it is uh, is very fun and, and playful and and i like it i think it's a great summer show yeah it was uh it was my pick last week uh so oh. here's a <laughs> well, double double uh double helping of witches of Eastern. i think yeah it's a it's a fun show yeah it comes back to six. i like that the whole backstory and things that they created uh for the show seems different for a a witch a show based around witches. Right. Those flashbacks are so funny. Like I love, there was one episode where um, Julia Armand's character, you show her sort of throughout time running around, killing people, <laughs> fighting off enemies. And she's one of the scenes, like, I think she's in the twenties or the thirties and she has a gun. And it's just, it was just hilarious. And then, but it wasn't like, you know, like cheesy or anything, but you could tell they were just sort of like tongue in cheek. Like here's <laughs> Julia Armand in the twenties and here's Julia Armand in the thirties. And, it just it just works. Something about that show it just it clicks. It's sort of like that witchcraftery, you know. Just like it just the, the, the cast works together. There's a lot of chemistry there, and they just play off each other really well. I think that definitely helps. Um, but like I said, it, it, it also is based on an existing book. I think that definitely helps when you're talking about the mythology of a story. But more than anything, it just you don't 
you don't have to think too hard. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, it's definitely it. It's a it's a, definitely a, like a kickback and just to relax and have fun uh, mm-hmm. uh, watching it. I mean, there is some you know story elements, but it's not so deep that you got to just be like glued to the screen to make sure you catch right. everything. Or uh, I can't go get a soda because I want to. You know, I got to make sure I the, the, the nail just fail. Like, no, you're fine. Yeah, go the, get the, a soda. That the yeah that you'll be just like completely lost or something uh, if yeah you're not gonna if you, if you miss a, a little something but yeah I I like I like the cast and uh, uh, it's just a, yeah it's a fun show all right uh, well that'll do it uh, for uh, uh, this week's podcast uh, you can find links to the news stories we talked about uh, as well as the recommendations we made uh, and uh, also where you can find Amy and Makisha online in the show notes at tvtimes three dot com slash two three two. We'd love to hear uh, your opinions on uh, Orphan Black. Did you think they were trading water? Would you like to see the story get uh, a little better? What did you think of uh, uh, The Last Ship? Were you one of the five-plus million people that watched it uh, on a Sunday night? Let us know in the comments on the show notes or send us an email at uh, feedback at tvtimes3.com. Uh, next week, uh, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be uh, Sandrine from uh, tvequals.com. And... With that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And uh, thank you, Amy. And thanks, Makisha, for... Uh... Thanks for your patience with my technical issues. I apologize for the <laughs> background noise. <laughs> <laughs> I always have so much fun talking TV with you. Thanks a lot, Jason. Hi, Makisha. Bye, Amy. It's nice talking to you. I can't wait to see you this summer. I'm going to see you both this summer, I hope. Yep. Well, uh, okay. you're, are you going to be at uh, at Comic Con again? Yeah, well, I'm really going to try and find you. We <laughs> have to we have to do better <laughs> than we have the last <laughs> uh, the last couple of years, so we actually uh, meet in person. I know. So I'm going to see Amy at TCA's, and I'm going to see you, Jason, at at uh, Comic Con, and I can't wait. So thank you guys. All this right. Was fun. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for keeping We sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.